I'm throwing these guys all kind of curveballs today, but we're flexible here. So um, I want to introduce Brandon here. Most probably everybody knows Brandon, but uh, he's the one that built this beautiful set. Can you give him a hand for that? And I know he would add this and a bunch of volunteers. Bunch of volunteers. I mean, more hours and more volunteers than we could even count. So yeah. thank you for all those who, who, who worked on this uh, diligently. Amen. But uh, anyway, I want, I want to say something about Brandon. Brandon and I have been doing life and ministry together for over 20 years now. Uh, we are growing gray uh, <clears throat> together. And uh, anyway, he has worn so, he was, uh, worn so many hats around here. Uh, for a number of years and has continued to be flexible. And uh, when I say, Brandon, uh, I need you to try on another hat. He's always willing to try on another hat and, and do what is required of him to make sure that the church stays strong and healthy. And over the past couple of months, we've been working on a transition and he's kind of, uh, he's still got his hand in kids ministry, but it's coming and helping me more with what we call pastoral care and, uh, and he's doing a great job of that and getting his feet wet in that. And, uh, and today he's going to be uh, ministering the word of God. So would you welcome my friend, my brother, Pastor Brandon Hutzel this morning. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Dave. I got to throw this in there before I start. So we were actually blessed to be the first couple, my wife Carol and I, that Pastor Dave officiated their wedding. So it was us. I was the most nervous guy on the planet. It was ridiculous. First of all, I got to say this. I had an alfalfa thing back here that nobody told me about. Um, <clears throat> but I, I think I'm like half married to him or something. I know that's a terrible joke, but I was so nervous when I was repeating, when he asked me to repeat the vows. I'm looking at Pastor Dave and repeating after him and looking at him. I was so nervous. Um, so he kind of had to point at me saying, hey, look at her. And so someone was, was like, so I turned, like, oh, yeah, that's right. I was so nervous. I almost feel like uh, going back for a redo on that. And we did redo our vows at 10 years. But uh, we're so blessed, so blessed to do life and do ministry with the marshes here, with all of the incredible uh, volunteers in this church family. And I'm really blessed and honored today to be able to encourage so many of my brothers and sisters to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. We're going to jump into session two of our Christmas sermon series entitled Travel Light. We're learning that the weight we feel, the burdens that we often bear, if I can get this thing to stay right for me, they often come from us holding on to things that God actually never intended for us to carry. Amen. We're going to let go of unnecessary baggage and travel light this Christmas as we move into the new year. Last week, Pastor Dave talked about letting go of stuff. It was a good sermon. The, the cure was radical generosity. And today we're going to talk about letting go of distractions. And I believe the cure is fixing our eyes on Jesus. You see, distractions are all around us. When you're driving around here, what do we got? Billboards, deer, potholes. 
Young people still in school, your friend in the desk beside you in homeroom, that was the best conversation of the day. Secret crush in algebra class, not that I had one. Swirling thoughts about your home life. School is the best place to daydream, kids. I used to daydream about getting to the basketball court, uh, getting home to play Contra on Nintendo, yeah. Uh, wondering what mom is making for supper. Do you guys remember when the book fair bus came into town? All right, I didn't learn anything on that day. I was so distracted. I had money. It was the first time I ever had to go, I got to go shopping and buy whatever I wanted by myself. Um, I think someone else was blessed by last week's sermon. A good friend of mine um, kind of did a public confession this week on Facebook, and she posted this one. You guys, it's like, me too, sister. <laughs> me too. On the job, you might end up with a talkative coworker. That's a distraction. Or uh, a lazy one. Or a messy one. Or that guy that takes your food out of the fridge. And you go there at lunch, and it's not gone. Sometimes you get all of them like a distraction dream team, frustrating you and keeping you from being productive. Did anybody else work from home during COVID at all? Show of hands, put some time in there. So I'm really trying to be productive, but I got my wife and kids in the next room. I love them, and they love me most of the time. And so now I'm the perfect distraction to get them out of homeschool for a couple minutes. And I got... One wiggly dog who's just too loving. Two barking dogs that are just too annoying. I got the refrigerator in the next room. I got the couch in the room after that. Distractions are everywhere. And it's honestly a fight to focus, but it's worth the fight. The word distraction comes from a Latin word created in the 1500s that means pulling apart, separating. For, today, for today's purposes, a drawing of the mind in different directions. You see, what we want to focus on today is this, this reality that not all temptations are to sin, but more often the devil will attempt to distract us and simply pull our mind and our actions in a direction away from the Lord. God has laid out a plan for our life. We know Jeremiah 20, 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. See, Satan says the same thing. I know the plans I have for you. See, he's a strategist. And the devil doesn't need to destroy you if he can distract you. His distractions are often the little subtle detours that lead to darkness. And if he can distract us, he can neutralize our effectiveness for God's kingdom. Or worse, the distractions can lead us on a path towards self-destruction. As we ask the Holy Spirit today to help us let go of distractions, focus on Jesus, let's take a look at a passage of Scripture together in the Gospel of Luke, story of two sisters and a Savior at a dinner party. Luke 10, 38, now it happened as they went that he, being Jesus, entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. She approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help. Jesus answered and said, Martha, Martha, 
You are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. As Christians, we're certainly called to be people of cleanliness and hospitality, so cooking and cleaning are important. They're on an all-inclusive list from the Apostle Paul's letter to the Corinthians where he says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. And we need to thank God for Martha's in life. You know, they get things done. When there's Martha around, things are clean. Things are organized. The table is beautifully set. The meal is delicious. The potatoes served hot. The drinks served cold. She always nails it. And she's a blessing. Thank God for Martha's. But can you just hear Martha, though, talking about her sister? You think she could at least bring some salad or maybe some brownies? Well, they would have been dry anyway. The only thing she ever brings to dinner is Tupperware. She was definitely angry. We see Martha, she gets to host Jesus at her home, but then she interrupts his teaching by saying, don't you care that my sister never helps? And then she has the audacity to expect Jesus to share her anger and tell her sister to get up and help. This is one of the powers of distraction. When we give a good thing too much time, too much attention, too much value, we become upset with the people around us who don't seem to care as much about it as we do. Guilty. People get hurt. Relationships are damaged because we end up prioritizing things more than people. Good-hearted, hospitable servant Martha is now hurling accusations and manipulations at the Lord. Can you imagine accusing Jesus of not caring? Mary is listening to Jesus teach, and Martha is telling him what to say. Somebody say, she's distracted. I wonder how it came out of Jesus' mouth when he said, Martha, Martha. He says, you're worried about many things, but one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken from her. You see, tomorrow the lovely meal would be a happy memory for Martha. And all that's left is the cleanup. But the things Mary learned from the Lord would stay with her forever. You see, what Jesus brought to the dinner party, what he was serving up and dishing out, was the bread of life and living water that Mary, Martha, and you and I desperately need. Martha was focused on serving the Lord. That's a good thing. But she was more focused on serving than she was on the Lord. Serving became the distraction That stole her focus from the Lord. Some call it the Martha trap. I actually fell into it a few years ago. Well, probably my biggest mistake besides something I did in high school, which we don't talk about right now. When ministry became my greatest distraction. And it caught me totally off guard that ministry could distract me from Jesus. But it did. I was more focused on serving than I was on the Lord, just like Martha. And when I drifted from intimacy with Jesus, everything else got out of alignment 
quickly. I became distracted from my family, fumbled some responsibilities as a husband and a dad. Things kind of came off the rails for me during that season. But I thank God that I was able to come out of it, I would say, humbled and wiser, broken and blessed. I learned that as we live in a relationship with Jesus, our focus must remain on him and then he will lead us in our serving. Amen. Martha wasn't doing something wrong. She just wasn't doing what was best. I wasn't doing anything terribly wrong. I just wasn't doing what was best. You see, our most difficult choices in life are not between good and bad, but between good and best. The good thing isn't always the God thing. So let's talk about diminishing distractions. All right, let me, let me ask you this. Shout it out. It's easy question. What's the greatest distraction of our time? Bingo. According to recent studies, the average person checks their phone every 10 minutes and spends two hours a day on social media. So if a young person continues at that rate, they'll approach the end of their life and will have spent seven years on the phone. A cell phone is not bad. As a matter of fact, it's a good thing, right? But digital addiction is real and spending too much time on our phone is definitely not God's best for our life. Statistics also say that the first thing we reach for in the morning, phone. First thing we reach for when we're bored, phone. I think this is a challenge to you and to myself. As Christians, I believe we've reached a point in society that we can say this now, and I'm very much preaching to myself. We cannot interact with our phone in the same way that the average person does in this society. We can't continue to drift in that direction with culture. We can fix our eyes on Jesus, and they're glued to our phone. I had to go there. About five years ago, Time Magazine released an article reporting the results of a study that Microsoft did on the human brain in this cell phone world of ours. Their findings show that the average attention span of a human is now eight seconds, which is actually shorter than that of a goldfish. So a couple of years ago, my kids won a goldfish at the fair, and apparently when they brought him home and put him in the bowl on the counter, he looked at them longer than they looked at him. It was just hilarious. And a goldfish like this guy could apparently beat the average human now in a staring contest. See, he took me. It's over. This is what our phones are doing to us. If your phone is too distracting, be intentional about limiting your screen time. Delete distracting apps. The people around you need the Christ in you. Your life is too valuable, your calling is too great, and our God is too good to waste our time on things that don't matter. Sometimes people can be distractions in life. Proverbs 13.20, walk with the wise and become wise. Companion of fools suffers harm. Craig Rochelle says it this way, if you become like the people you hang around and four out of five of your friends are fools, then guess what? Love the lost but be wise. Some of you are dating a distraction. If he or she is distracting you from serving Jesus, press pause on the relationship until you get your focus back on the Lord. I heard a really good piece of dating advice years ago. Run as hard as you can after Jesus. 
And if someone, and if you look over and someone is keeping up with you, then introduce yourself. Satan's distractions are often presented as the counterfeit best for our life. He whispers, you need this, fill in the blank, to have your best life. You need remodeled kitchen. You need a nicer car. You need more attention. You need a better spouse. More appreciation. You need more money. Anyone ever heard these whispers from the enemy? The counterfeit best for our life? So let's answer, let's answer Satan with Scripture like Jesus did. I'm going to tell us today what Jesus himself says that we need. Luke 10, 42, he says this. One thing is needed. Don't let Satan of the world tell you what is necessary for you. Let me say that again. Don't let Satan or the world tell you what is necessary for you. Listen to Jesus. He said, one thing is needed. Mary chose it to sit at Jesus' feet and keep our eyes fixed on him. That's the one thing. According to Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders. Let us throw off every distraction that hinders and also the sin that easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Here's something else that Jesus himself said. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. I want to tell you today, I've learned this from experience and others as well. If you don't fix your eyes on Jesus, everything else you spend your life pursuing will leave you empty. Peter could walk on the water when he was focused on Jesus. When he took his eyes off of Jesus, he began to sink. Some of us are sinking, always feeling overwhelmed, frustrated, anxious. Amidst the wind and waves of this distracting culture, we feel overwhelmed because we are sinking. We feel frustrated because we are sinking. We feel afraid because we're sinking, and we are sinking because we have taken our eyes off of Jesus. We must fix our eyes on Jesus. As I studied this passage of Scripture this week, I began to think, if Jesus says one thing is needed, and that thing is to fix my eyes on him and his word, does my life show that I prioritize that one thing. If each of us were to ask the people around us to name just one thing that they thought was most valuable to us, what would they say? 
I want to live in such a way that it's clear to everyone around me that Jesus is my greatest treasure. It's easy to become distracted and drift away from seeking Jesus first. Even as she served Jesus, Martha was drowning in worries and trouble. And Jesus said, Martha, Martha. Is anybody else glad that Jesus will say your name as many times as he needs to to get your attention? Thank you, Lord. Jesus is calling each of us by name today. He's calling us to himself. He's saying, come and sit in my feet and let me teach you. What does it look like to fix our eyes on Jesus practically? Well, there are spiritual disciplines that we should all strive to prioritize. Prayer, Bible study, Christ-centered fellowship, church attendance. But the Holy Spirit wants to teach each of us just what it looks like for us to live our lives with our eyes fixed on Jesus. We must develop an ear to hear the voice of the Spirit. He is passionate about helping us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. When you're spending too much time on your phone, you'll hear His voice whisper your name. When the busyness of decorating and gift getting and gift wrapping and party attending begins to pull you in a direction away from Jesus over the next couple of weeks, you'll hear him whisper your name. When life gets to be anxious and overwhelming, listen. You will hear his voice whispering your name. And when you hear him call your name, please forget every distraction and learn to sit at his feet.